0: Welcome back. Welcome back. So episode 17. Welcome. Uh, In this episode, we discuss the fantastic card that was UFC on ABC. Um, Really, really impressive card for the UFC. And what a performance by Max Holloway. Uh, I do go into a 15 minute rant about how good Max Holloway was. So (laughs) uh, apologies for that. Uh, we also discuss uh, the upcoming card this Wednesday, which is Chiesa versus Magni. Not the not the greatest card on paper, but never judge a book by its cover and never judge a card before the cards happened, as Uncle Dana will always tell you. Um, enjoy! So, UFC on ABC. Um, I think... Obviously, we'll start this off by kind of discussing what that means for the UFC. Um, I know that the UFC, when they did the Fox deal, they, they aired a hell of a lot of cards on Fox, but um, this is the first time since 2018 that the UFC has been on uh, to what what we'll call terrestrial television, uh, which is effectively um, the UFC being on, I don't know, Channel, channel 2 over here. Um, now, ABC used to have back in the 60s and 70s they used to have boxing fights on all the time all the time Muhammad Ali fought on ABC I don't even know how many times six seven um he fought Henry Cooper uh on ABC he fought Cleveland Williams on ABC he fought Joe Frazier on ABC um Joe Frazier fought Bob Foster on ABC um Muhammad Ali fought Floyd Patterson on ABC Uh, uh, Joe Frazier fought George Foreman in Jamaica on ABC. Um, so I think you probably get the idea. The, the history of combat sports on ABC, um, is huge. And for the UFC to be on ABC is a really, really big deal in America. Um, so what they really needed was a card to deliver. And I'll tell you what, they got a card to deliver. Um, This was a fantastic card. It was pretty good on paper. Um, It was better in person. Um, We did have the prelims, which weren't great, to be honest. Um, They were all decisions, which, you know, it's difficult to get your average fan, which would have kind of been the person that they would be angling this event at, um, to watch and sit through uh, a card that's all decisions. So, uh, obviously, Austin Lingo defeated Jacob Kilburn by unanimous decision, 30-26, 30-27, 30-26. Vanessa Malo uh, defeated Sarah Moraes Ramazan Emev defeated David Zawada. Split decision, 29-28, 29-28, and 28-29. Carlos Felipe defeated Justin Taffer, which was a split decision, 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. That fight was actually pretty good. Uh, Two heavyweights kind of just slinging. Uh, I actually thought the decision um, went the wrong way. I thought Taffer won and quite a few other people did as well. Um, it was very close and, and it could probably have gone either way. That's just the way I saw it. But that was a very good fight. So if you haven't seen that, go back and have a look at that and just watch big fat heavyweights throw lots of leather at each other. It was good fun. Uh, one prelim I did really actually enjoy was Jocelyn Edwards uh, Jocelyn Edwards versus Wu Yunnan. Um, Wu Yunnan uh, has had a fight or two in the UFC Um she has been in the UFC since I think 2017. Uh this was her fourth fight. She lost. Um she won and then she's now lost her last two after losing to Jocelyn Edwards. Jocelyn Edwards, this was her first fight in the UFC. Um I gather it was offered to her relatively late and she was just ready to go and she took it. And she actually looked really impressive. Um I actually quite enjoyed it. It was the, the, the second, obviously, fight um that I turned on and saw uh and as far as it goes I was really 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 impressed um she looked good she had decent striking she didn't gas out um she looked pretty good on the floor I was impressed I was impressed indeed um obviously as far as the as far as the bantam weight the women's bantamweight division goes um she's probably got a way to enter uh the top five but I, I looking at her performance I can see her entering the top 10 um certainly the top 15 with another fight. Um, She didn't look out of sorts at all. I was very, very, very impressed by um, Jocelyn Edwards. So moving on to the main card. Now, the first fight we got on the main card um, was Soriano versus Tudorovic, which ended by uh, Soriano-TKO punches in the first round, just before uh, 4.48 the first round. Now... One that's a commentator's nightmare for the names, but two, the performance from both of them was actually very, very good. Um, It was uh, a a bit of a back and forth fight, but obviously ended in the first round by TKO by Soriano. I enjoyed watching it, Uh, and as far if you're looking for a fight to start a card on um, network television in the USA for the first time in two years, that's the fight that you want. about five minutes of action, good action, and it was over pretty quickly. Um, but very good win for Soriano. Uh, and if we look at the uh, the landscape of the middleweight division, um, I think both of these guys could kind of be knocking on the door of the top 15. Um, you've got Ian uh, Hinch, Brad Tavares, Omari, Akhmadov, uh, Edmund Shabazi, and, and Chris Weidman that make kind of the top five. So... I think those kind of fighters, it's anyone's game that can get in there. Um, but Soriano looked good, and let's see uh who he gets put up against next. Um we'll stay on the middleweight division now, as we had Alessio uh Dichericho, who took on Whacking Buckley. Now, as you'll remember, Waking Buckley was famous for his um spinning back kick that went viral in October. Uh, he then followed that up really, really quickly in November with a, a knockout, went over Jordan Wright. So, as far as whacking Buckley's stock, it was as high as it could be at that point in time. And every single person was talking about Buckley. Uh, what's he going to do next? He was in interviews saying what he's going to do next. You know, don't blink, you'll miss it. Real sort of almost arrogance to, to how he was, he was coming across and how he was trying to perceive himself prior to this fight. The other side of the coin uh, is Dichirico because he was on a three fight losing streak. And you'll know when you're in the UFC, if you've lost three in a row and you've on or lose four in a row, unless your name's Dan Hardy, you probably won't fight again in the UFC. Uh, and that's all respect to Dan Hardy because uh, even in those fights, he was uh, very impressive and very game. But um, unless you're kind of really making a go of it, you're out on your ass. And uh, everyone was expecting Buckley to do something impressive. And what, what it looked like here is Buckley, Buckley's stock was high and the UFC thought we might have a star on our hands here. Let, let's give him another win. Let's give him another win. Let's give him – where's that ditcherico? D- let's, get, let's get him down here and let's get Buckley to fight him. Guaranteed win. Easy for Buckley. Happy days for the UFC. Uh, and that is not what happened. The fight started. Buckley looked good. He did look good but you kind of got the sense of the way he was carrying himself that he could get caught. And that's always the danger when someone buys into their own hype and perhaps gets a little bit ahead of themselves. We saw it with Francis Ngannou a little bit um, when he, uh, he, he kind of got a bit too big for his boots and he was saying all this stuff and he wanted certain things done for him. And I don't know whether Joaquin Buckley was doing the same thing, but he got knocked out. By a, a pretty devastating head kick, I, Buckley ducked. But I don't know whether he was because Dichirica was going to the body a lot, so B- Buckley ducked down. I don't know if he was going for a takedown or what he was doing, but he ducked down and he got he got caught on the top of the head by a vicious, vicious head kick, knocked him out. He fell backwards on himself. I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was UFC. I want to say it was UFC seventy eight or seventy nine or eighty one. I'm going to have to Google that now, um, just because I have to. Uh, Gabriel, it was Gabriel Gonzaga, UFC, it was na- UFC Nations Collide uh, in the UK. It was in Manchester, and uh, it was Gabriel Gonzaga versus Mirko Krokop. And you'll remember that that Mirko Krokop was famous uh, for knocking people out with head kicks. And I think I think this was his first fight in the UFC. Um, I'm not 100%, but I'm I'm checking. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm frantically Googling as I'm talking to you, trying to find out this information. It was UFC 70. There you go. It was UFC 70. It was Gabriel Gonzaga versus Mirko Krokop. And Krokop was famous for head kick knockouts. Um, and I don't know if it was his first fight in the UFC, but I think that was around about the time that Pride uh, disappeared so let's have a look, UFC 70. It was his second fight in the UFC uh, and Gabriel Gonzaga knocked out Krokop with a head kick and Krokop uh, fell backwards on himself and his 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 foot got caught on the bottom of the cage and his it was disgusting. His, his foot was underneath his leg and his knee was like bent out of shape but he was out cold. Buckley did exactly the same thing. He fell back on himself and his foot was caught. Luckily, it sprung out. Um, but it was a devastating head kick um well done for Ditchericho Di um really impressive that he managed to pull that off the wind out of buckley sells is gone uh the hype that he believed in himself has also gone so he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and alessio ditchericho has uh, has bought himself another fight in the ufc so there's a lesson for you there um don't believe your own hype Uh, one other thing that was a little bit weird about that is, is Gicharicho got really annoyed afterwards that no one wanted to interview Buckley. Now, I think the UFC took the stance a while ago, not to interview a fighter if they'd been knocked out. And it's an interesting talking point, but as far as I'm concerned, I think that's the right thing to do, um... And I know some people disagree and you you can take it on a case by case basis but it's you, you don't know what's going on inside a person's head straight after a fight. They need to go to the hospital they need to be examined and things like that. They've got doctors on hand that that, that will inspect fighters after the um, after the fact so personally, I don't think they should interview anyone that's just been knocked out at all maybe. You know, they go backstage, they get checked out by a doctor, um, everything's okay, and then they can go to the, the post-fight presser and they can answer some questions. But I, I don't want to see someone that's just been knocked out try and fumble their way through an interview. I don't think it's the right thing to do. I don't think it's right for the sport. I don't think it's fair on the athlete. Um, you know, you don't know what they're going to say. I, I think uh, when Overeem lost to Stipe they interviewed him after the fight and he he remembered something that didn't happen. He basically said, you, you remember that Stipe fight, Overeem, uh, he, Stipe got dropped and then he ended up, he got back to his feet and he finished Overeem and the punches weren't even that hard, but he was out. You know, it was it was quite nasty. Um, and then Rogan interviewed him afterwards and was asking him, uh, you know, your thoughts on the fight and Overeem said, oh, you know, uh, I had him in a guillotine really tight and he tapped. And so they went, okay, well, let's look at the footage. And they looked at the footage. And one, the guillotine wasn't tight. And two, Stipe didn't tap. Like his his hands were no... It was just... He remembered something that didn't happen. Um, and that was... It was quite a an upsetting thing to watch because the poor guy was there in front of 15,000 people trying to tell everyone something that didn't happen. And everyone in the crowd was just like, oh, no. You know, this guy is... This guy is mushed. So, yeah, as far as interviewing guys after they've been knocked out or girls after they've been knocked out, I think it's the right decision not to do it. And I don't know why why Alessio got so upset. He was stomping around backstage and not wanting to talk to people. He was angry with Dana. It's just a really, really bizarre behaviour when this has been something that's been going on for almost two years. Um, And when you're... When you're on a three-fight losing streak and you've just knocked out uh, an up-and-coming prospect, you should be in a good mood. And at no point was this guy in a good mood. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think you should interview fighters after they get knocked out. Let me know what you think. Um, but, yeah, also Alessio's behavior, very, very bizarre. So this next fight was uh, in the World to weight division and it was Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Li Jinglang. Now we spoke about Ponzinibbio before on the last episode and he was on a seven-fight winning streak prior to this fight, but he had not fought in two years. Uh, And as I detailed before, he had a staff infection problem and uh, other bits and bobs that got in his way. But um, this was a really pretty good fight. Um, and Xing Lang had previously lost to Neil Magny before that. he won three in a row. Um, But this ended by knockout Uh and Xing Lang knocked out uh four and a half minutes into the first round. And he looked good, Xing Lang. Good. You know, he had stiff left hands, stiff left hands that were causing Ponzanibio all sorts of problems. He didn't really have an answer for it. And, I think it's difficult because a lot can happen in the sport in two years. And when you see someone like Ponzinibbio, who might've been the best welterweight we had um, two years ago, fast forward two years and, and uh, you know, he struggled against Jing Lang and there is obviously ring rust that plays into this as well, but I don't know how much of a real thing that is. And it probably affects some people and it doesn't affect others, but you know, He looked a little bit rusty, and I'm not holding that against him because, you know, the guy's been out for two years. I'm just going to take a drink. Mm, Lovely. Sorry about that. So the guy's been out for two years. He got knocked out in four and a half minutes. I don't think it damages his stock too much because... People will just go, Oh, well, you know, he won seven in a row and then he's been out for two years and it's ring rust and he got caught. And you know, no ifs or buts about it. Jing Lang was the better fighter in this fight, so it's a little bit upsetting for Ponzanibio that he got knocked out, but he was gonna lose the fight, you know, he had a puncher's chance. Um, and he got knocked out, but Jing Lang looked good. Um, when we look at the welterweight division now, it's interesting. Uh, we've got Hamzat Chemaev that obviously entered in at number 14. Uh, Robbie Lawler, who is number 13, and Bilal Muhammad as number one. I'd quite like to see Jing Lang versus Robbie Lawler. Um, I think that would be a really, really good fight, uh, or perhaps against Bilal Muhammad. Um Yeah, I'd like to see that fight. Robbie Lawler and Jing Lang, I think that would be good. As far as Ponzanibio goes, he needs another fight, uh, probably against an unranked, just to get his feet back under the table. And then he can sort of make a, a play for the top 15 and top 10 again. A um, little bit unlucky for him. But when you're out for two years, um, you are not You can't expect miracles. So um, back to the drawing board. He's not in danger. Um, he can go again. You'll notice I didn't read out who was number 15. That's because it's Conor McGregor. Um, that's a little bit silly, isn't it? So, moving on to the co-main event. Now, this was old boy against old boy. Um, in the welterweight division, again, I'm not going to go looking through the rankings because neither of these guys are going to get near the top 15. They are on the downward spiral of their career. That being said, um, this wasn't a bad fight. This wasn't a bad fight. And it wouldn't be a bad fight because they're both kind of at the same point in their career. If we had Jing Lang fight Carlos Condit, Carlos Condit would have been knocked out probably quicker than Ponzinibbio was. So, Um, but this was quite a back and forth fight. Uh, Carlos Condit ended up um, winning the decision uh, 30-27, 30-27, 30-27. I actually thought Matt Brown won a round. Um, I'm fairly certain I thought he won the second. Uh, You could have made a case for the third, but I I thought Condit won the fight. I thought the decision was correct. Um, The judges' scores, perhaps not correct, but the fact that Carlos Condit won won. yeah, I wasn't mad at that. As far as what the, the, these guys both do now, I think Condit's contract is up with the UFC. Um, I'm sure someone spoke about that. I think he that was his last fight on his deal. I mean, I can't really see them offering him another one. Um, the thing that is good about Carlos Condit, though, is you know he's an intelligent guy and he, he knows a lot about the sport. So perhaps um, he can get a desk job. You know, you've, you've got uh, Dominic Cruz, Michael Bisping, Paul Felder, Daniel Cormier, uh, Ponzinibbio has even done it as well. Um, perhaps they can get Carlos Condit on the desk. As far as Matt Brown goes, I think he's still got a couple of fights left, and I'd imagine the UFC will let him fight those out. But, you know, he has won two out of his last eight. Um, so it, it, it's tough. It's tough for Matt Brown. But I reckon the UFC will let him honour his contract. And as far as Carlos Condit goes, he's had a really good career. Um, He's been with the UFC a long time. He's made a lot of money. Um, You know, maybe maybe he gets a desk job. Maybe he gets a coaching job. Um, Or maybe he wants to carry on fighting and and perhaps maybe Bellator will take a look at him. But uh, I could be wrong. Maybe the UFC will get him back on board. Um, But, yeah, I like Carlos Condit. I like Matt Brown. Let's now talk about Max Holloway. I'll tell you what, as far as performances go, that's one of the best performances I've seen in a long, long time. Um, If you watch the fight, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, I'm going to do my best to break down for you what happened um, right now. But uh, before we do that, I'm just going to go through some numbers here because there's some really, really impressive numbers from this main event. Um, so Max Holloway became the 14th fighter in UFC history to record 18 octagon victories. Uh, Holloway's 17 victories in the UFC featherweight um, division are the most in the division's history. Max Holloway landed 445 significant strikes. That's a single fight UFC record. The previous high was 290 Um His 744 significant strike attempts are also a single fight record. So he landed 445 significant strikes, and he threw 744 in 25 minutes. That's unbelievable. Um, That is unbelievable. So the uh, 445 significant strikes that he landed, uh, his previous record... The previous record was 361, and it was his record. Um, that's that's so impressive, so impressive. Uh, in round four, Holloway landed 141 significant strikes just in round four, um, which is another UFC record. That's a single round record for the UFC. Um, Holloway has landed 100 or more significant strikes in 12 separate UFC uh, UFC fights, the most in the company's history. No other fighter has more than eight such performances. Um, Holloway has landed 2,618 strikes in UFC competition, the most in the company's history. Holloway, (laughs) it just, they just keep, the numbers just keep coming. They keep coming. This performance from Max Holloway was incredible, um, and it look, Holloway has had some really impressive performances throughout his career. Um, but this was something special. Uh, Holloway's eight fight of the night bonuses for UFC uh, featherweight b- bouts are tied with Cup Swanson and Chang Sung Young, um, which is the most in the division's history. Um, incidentally, Calvin Cater did lose, obviously. Uh, by the way I'm talking, he uh, lost by decision and all three of his uh, losses in the UFC are by decision. Um, he also became the third fighter in history to earn a 42-point scorecard, which is a really bad uh, record to own. Um, the other fighters that did that were Jill Castillo uh, and David Luis Au, um, who also have that horrible distinction by their name. Uh Incidentally, Catter and Holloway combined um, landed 578 significant strikes, which is also a single fight record for the UFC. So that's a lot of numbers to talk about there. Um, obviously, incidentally, it goes without saying that they won the Fight of the Night bonuses. And as far as um, Fight of the Year goes, that's definitely winning, <laughs> even though uh, it... Uh, we're not that far into the year, but it's definitely winning. So uh, where do I begin here? Where do I begin here? Um, now, Calvin Cater's no mug. Calvin Cater's no mug. And um, we know about Calvin Cater. Um, he's beaten Jeremy Stevens, He came close to beating Zabit, um, Magomed Sharapov. He's beaten Ricardo Lamas. Uh, He's got victories over Dan Ike and Chris Fishgold. Um, He's beaten Andre Feely. He sits sixth in the the division, um, and he was up and coming. And to be honest with you, a lot of people picked him to win this fight. A lot of people picked him to win this fight. I, of course, was not one of them because... You know, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, aside from the fact I said Ponzinibbio would win, I said Buckley would win. <laughs> um, so yeah, not great there. But I did say Condit would win. I said Max Holloway would win. So there you go. In any event, um, people, a lot of people picked Calvin Cater to win this fight. Um, what they did not see coming is that Max Holloway would win a decision, 50-43, 50-43. 50, 42, which means there was at least a 10-7 and probably, and at least two 10-8s in there from, uh, from judges. And in fairness, when you look at that fight, they're not wrong. They're not wrong at all. Max Holloway put on an absolute clinic, clinic on Calvin Cater. Um, One of the best performances I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, Now, there's an interesting thing we'll, we'll unfold this now so does it make it a great fight if it's really one-sided that's an interesting question personally I think you can still have a great fight even though it's one-sided but then you're not you're you're talking about the guy's performance um, and you also have to look about uh, who he's doing it against if Max Holloway was doing this against a a featherweight who's his first fight in the UFC. I mean, you just go, okay, well, there are levels to this. And obviously, this guy's not that great. But Calvin Cater's a proven um, UFC 526 6th in the division as we speak. Um, so he's no mug. And watching Max Holloway do what he did was so impressive. So impressive. His footwork was on point. His, his punching was crisp. He threw everything to hurt he didn't he didn't expend any energy he didn't need to expend his slipping of punches was unbelievable in the in the 5th round with a minute and a half left he was talking to the commentary team screaming he heard one of the commentators say something about his boxing he he said i'm the best boxer in the ufc screaming it at the commentary team he threw he was looking at the commentary team he threw a blind punch at Kater that hit him flush on the chin He then continued talking to the commentary team as Cater threw a five-punch combination at Max Holloway. Max Holloway, whilst not looking, stepped back and slipped all of the punches and then rolled and came away. It It was like something you see in a film. And the only thing I remember like that was when Anderson Silva fought Forrest Griffin at UFC 101 and Anderson Silva entered the Matrix and dodged three or four of Forrest Griffin's punches and then knocked him out. This was exactly the same as that. Max Holloway entered the Matrix in the fifth round against Calvin Cater, and it was phenomenal. You'll see that on UFC montages for years to come. That needs to be on the Baba O'Reilly montage at the start when you go to a live UFC event. You always have that 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 song by The Who, and you have that five-minute montage to get the crowd jacked up for the, for the event to start. That will be on that within days, I'm sure. Um and everything you need to know about this performance by Max Holloway you can see in that 30 second clip, which has gone virals all over the internet. Um yeah, that was that was an impressive performance. There, there's a couple of bits that I obviously want to talk about as well. Um I personally think the fight should have been stopped in the fourth round. Um that was coincidentally the round where um Holloway landed the most strikes. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, round four. Holloway landed 141 significant strikes in round four, which is a UFC record. There have been fights that have been stopped um, for less. Uh, and I know Cater was on his feet and he was, you know, he was in the fight to a certain degree because he was there. And I think in any fight, someone always has a puncher's chance. But when you look at how the first three rounds went, then you look at what was happening in that fourth round. Um, that fight should have been stopped, in my opinion. And, and you know, would Calvin Cater agree? No. Would I like to have seen his corner take control and throw in the towel? Yes. Um, people don't throw in the towel in UFC fights, and I, I don't really know why. Um, they always rely on the referee to, to save them, and... Uh, it's an interesting talking point. Personally, I want his corner to stop that, but I want the referee to stop that first. Um, There was just no need for him to be taking the punishment that he'd taken. You know, if, if was on the floor and he took 141 significant punches, the referee would probably never referee again, you know? Um, But because he was on his feet, he was moving, he was, he was throwing punches back to a certain extent and he was trying to stay in the fight and maneuver and find good positions, you know, I understand why the ref perhaps left him in the fight. But for me, the fight was finished. The fight was finished, you know, at the end of the third round. Holloway won three rounds. Cater had no answer for Holloway's pace. He had no answer for his physicality. He had no answer for his boxing. He had no answer for his speed. He had no answer for his uh, movement. And I'm I'm trying... The only compliment I can pay Calvin Cater is that he's tough. He's a tough, tough, tough competitor. You know, he took some elbows, he took. God, he took some elbows. He had his his head cut maybe in the second round or the third round for just some devastating elbows that Max delivered standing up. Just eight punches as the fight went on. He he observed... He absorbed 448 punches in that fight. 448 times he was punched. And however many of those were at his head, you know, probably 300 of them were at his head. That is a lot of punishment to take. You know, if you take that throughout your career, then, you know, but to absorb all that in one fight, no, that fight's got to be stopped for me. Um... That fight's got to be stopped for me. So where does that leave um, after that fantastic, epic performance from Max Holloway, which, you know, for for anyone who's not a UFC fan and you turned on ABC and you're going to watch UFC for the first time, as far as that card goes, topped off by that performance, you're going to watch again. And you're going to watch on Wednesday. And you're going to click the buy button on Saturday saturday night to watch conor mcgregor and that is what that sort of performance has done for the ufc so max holloway the UFC owes max holloway a lot there um he has he has really done them a favor so as far as what this means for both of them look calvin cater has got a couple of things going for him he's a marketable guy good looking bloke good fighter um he's obviously fought in the UFC for quite a while. And he hasn't, when you look at the top sort of 10, 15, he hasn't fought that many of them, which is a positive for him. So there's other fights for him. He, he can fight Yair Rodriguez. He can fight the Korean zombie. I quite like to see him fight the Korean zombie. There you go. Brian Ortega, uh, Josh Emmett, you know, uh, Arnold Allen. He, he hasn't fought any of these guys and they're all in the top 10. I'd like to see him fight the Korean zombie. As far as Max Holloway goes, um, I don't like when someone's lost twice and they get another fight. I think it happened with uh, Pacquiao and Maidana, and they ended up fighting four times, and Pacquiao won three of them. I think Maidana did knock him out, but that's not the point. Um, But if Max Holloway doesn't fight Volkanovski next... Uh, Sorry, I I should preface this by um, saying that Volkanovski is fighting Brian Ortega next. That fight has been made, that fight is done, uh, and that fight will happen um, pretty shortly. Uh, I'm stalling because I can't remember the exact date, but that fight has been done and it will be happening. Uh, Let's have a look here. It will be happening on... (laughs) Uh, it will be happening on March 17th at UFC 260. Um, yeah, it'll be happening March 17th at the UFC 260. Uh, also rumoured for that fight card, by the way, is Stipe Miocis versus Francis Ngannou, which I think is also done. So that'll be a good fight. But um, that is uh, the next fight for Volkanovski. However, after that fight, I would like to hear anyone defy Max Holloway another title shot after that performance. When you've lost twice to the champion, and in fairness, the first fight was close, but I think Max lost. The second fight, you could make a real case that Max Holloway won that fight. In fact, most people thought he did win that fight. Um, So it's not outside the realms of possibility for him to get back there. But after that performance... No one can deny Max Holloway. He is undeniable after that, and I know I'm I'm sounding high on Max Holloway here, but you know, when it's fresh in your mind and when you've just seen it, I can't not be, you know. And I know he lost to Dustin Poirier. Um, he beat Frankie Edgar. No one really cares about that. Uh, Volkanovski lost to split decision twice. He had horrific uh, for. Horrific, terrific performances against Jose Aldo back-to-back. Absolutely beat the shit out of Brian Ortega um, back in 2018. Lost his way a bit of Dustin Poirier, Frankie Edgar, then the two Volkanovski fights, but he looked good in the second Volkanovski fight, and he looked like a world beater against Calvin Cater. So as far as I am concerned, when we talk about Max Holloway, he deserves the next shot. I don't want to see him leave the division. I don't want to see him go back up to 155. I don't want to see him fight Khabib. I'm not interested in that. I want to see him against Volkanovski for the belt. Or if Brian Ortega wins, he can beat the beat the breaks off Brian Ortega. But Max Holloway gets the next title shot. And I'm not interested in any other explanation. Okay, so... This week, obviously, is a very, 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 very busy week for the UFC indeed. Um, as we've just discussed, we had UFC on ABC, Holloway versus Cater. Uh, Middle of the week on a Wednesday, which is January the 20th, live from the Etihad Arena again. Uh, we have uh, UFC on ESPN, which is headlined by Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny. Now, uh, this card obviously what they've tried to do with this week is make it a little bit like a fight week in july they always have international fight week in july where they normally put three cards on usually an ultimate fight or a fight night and then they have a big pay-per-view at the end of the week so they've done something similar here um and on uh hump day itself we have got uh hump fight if you put it that way um so we'll have a little look at this card now this card was originally supposed to have Leon Edwards versus uh, Hamzat Chimaev, which we've obviously discussed the reasons um, why that fell apart. Again, it has been rebooked preliminary for, I think, off the top of my head, March the 13th, um, which will headline another fight night. Hopefully, that fight goes ahead. Uh, but as a result of that, this card is a little bit thin on paper. Um and as we go through, I think you'll probably uh, you'll probably notice that. But first fight of the night is uh, obviously we're not we're not going into too much detail on the prelims. Uh, we do have people like Tom Brees, Ricky Simon, um, and Victoria Leonardo uh, on the prelims. No one of massive note, to be honest, aside from Tom Brees, um, but. Uh, kicking us off in the flyweight division, we've got Matt Schnell uh, versus Tyson Nam. Uh, now, obviously, the flyweight division um, is uh, looking a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't want to say thin on the ground because that's probably that's probably not the right the right way to put it. But um, since we know that obviously Figueiredo is rematching. Um, Uh, Brandon Moreno, excuse me, very soon. Um, As I say, as that's happening very soon, if we look at the flyweight division, there's a bit going on. Obviously, uh, Benavidez, who's ranked second, has fought Figueiredo twice already, so he's not getting another shot. Alex Perez had his shot. Um, and Brandon Moreno is obviously going to get a rematch. So that will tie the division up probably until the summer, um, by which point we'll, we'll have someone else that's going to step up. Obviously, there's Askarov sitting in third um, and Patoya that's sitting in fifth and Brandon Royval sitting in, sitting in sixth. So there is options there. Um, it's just probably not as potentially well-known as, as, as the other divisions. But talking about these guys, uh, we've got Matt Snell, who currently sits in ninth place, who actually his last fight was a knockout loss to Panjala, um, who obviously sits in fifth. So it's a little bit tough for him. Um, It's a little bit tough for him on this one. He is fighting um, Tyson Nam. Now, Tyson Nam is ranked 13th. So as far as uh, fights that are going to shape the division, this isn't really one of them. Uh, Tyson Nam is on a two-fight win streak. I, I don't even know if that counts as a win streak, to be fair, but uh, his last victory came uh, in September 2020 when he knocked out or TKO'd Jerome Rivera. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think probably Matt Snell will get the uh, get the nod. He was on a four-fight win streak uh, that included wins over people like Lewis Smolka uh, and Jordan Espinosa before he got knocked out by Pandoa. So Um, As far as the flyweight division goes, like I said, it's it's probably got about six months before we need to know who's fighting for the belt next, but it's pretty safe to say it's going to be neither of these guys. Uh, But it should be a fun fight, and we look forward to it. Now, moving on to the uh, women's flyweight division, we've got uh, Vivian Arejo versus Roxanne Modaferi. Now, Roxanne Modaferi, if you remember, was on The Ultimate Fighter, and she has had a a weird, she had a weird time on the show, and she's had a weird time uh in, in, in the UFC. She she originally started on Invicta, uh had one fight there, and then went straight to the Albert Fighter. Uh, she lost in the final to uh Nika Montano and and Montano was crowned the women's flyweight champion. I, I'm fairly certain she didn't even defend it, or something or she was something weird happened. She was rubbish. <laughs> uh I, I don't think she defended it so, something happened um I, I'm trying to rack my brains as to what but I think it was she was stripped of it due to a weight cut or something she she obviously didn't do things properly and it all went tits up in any event um so that's Roxanne Modaferi's first loss she lost there uh she's then literally 1-1, lost one lost one, one, one lost 1, one, one, lost one, one, one. Um, And her last uh, fight victory came on September the 12th of 2020. So she, she hasn't really got going as far as the UFC goes, uh, although she's had about eight fights in the organization. Um, I wasn't that impressed with her when she was on The Ultimate Fighter, uh, and I, I'm still not really that impressed with her now. But I'm trying to be positive. Don't want to take too much away from her. Uh, and she is fighting Vivienne Arejo. I'll try and say it all all exotic, like all exotic like Vivian Arejo, um, who has been in the UFC. She has four fights in the UFC, um, and she is three and one. Her last victory came again in September against Montana de la Rosa. De la Losa. See what I'm doing there? I know Spanish and stuff. Uh so as far as that fight goes, um I guess we're gonna see Roxanne Modafferi lose. Because she's just won. And as far as her record goes, she wins ones and she wins one, then she loses one. And that seems to be what she likes doing. So I'm gonna go for uh, Vivian here. Um and uh, and yeah, we will see what happens. Uh next in the light heavyweight division, we have Vinicius Moreja versus Isaac Villa Villavuea. This is a commentator's nightmare. Um, as far as Moreja goes. Uh, He has lost three in a row. His last uh, loss was in September 2019 to Paul Craig. Paul Craig, of course, uh, famous for those uh, pair of fights against Shogun and not much else. So that kind of shows you uh, where he is as a competitor. uh, And he is fighting Isaac Villanuea. Um, And I have never heard of him before in my life. uh, And I'm fairly certain... He hasn't fought in the UFC before. Please correct me if he has, um, but I haven't seen him. Neither of these guys in the top 15. So again, as far as carving out what's happening in the light heavyweight division, it's not going to happen. Um, so a little bit disappointing with the uh, the talent on this card. The problem is you can't really slag off a card until the card's happened. If the card uh, happens and every fight is a barn burner or a knockout or a submission, then the card's good. Um, if of course, uh, it ends up that all the fights are duds and there's not a lot of talent on there. It's a tough one, but I don't think this will hurt the UFC having that having this sandwiched in between what was a fantastic card, um, on ABC on Saturday, uh, and of course the Conor McGregor Poirier fight at the end of the week. So, uh, I'm not that mad at it, um. Before we move on to the main event, I'm not that mad at this card. It's a little bit disappointing to see the lack of talent. But when you're sandwiched in between two and the UFC has a certain amount of fighters on the roster that they have to get fights each and every uh year, they need to give they need to offer every fighter three fights. So um this is probably good for them to kind of squeeze in uh some of that lesser talent and outside the top 15 anyway the main event which was supposed to be the co-main event is Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny now I like both of these guys um I like both of these guys Michael Chiesa uh, is on a three-fight win streak he beat Carlos Condit Carlos Condit Diego Sanchez and Rafael Dos Anjos um his most recent victory against RDA obviously came uh almost a year ago now but he hasn't fought Obviously, COVID has affected some fighters in different ways, but uh, Michael Chiesa has taken almost the whole year off. But prior to that, he defeated RDA, which is a very impressive victory. Um, Anytime you can beat RDA, it's an impressive thing. Um, Looking at where Michael Chiesa is ranked. He's ranked 8th and Neil Magny is ranked ninth. So this is a pretty decent fight to see who can kind of shift themselves up the welterweight division. Um, Damian Meyer, interestingly, is ranked in front of them and Tyron Woodley is ranked in front of them as well. Um, so both of those guys, I think, will be very eager to get themselves in front of the, uh, those names. Neil Magny, on the other hand, Neil Magney's a funny one. I like Neil Magny because he's game. He'll pretty much fight anyone, you know. We saw uh, Chimaev uh, pull out, and he wanted to fight Leon Edwards. We've seen Leon Edwards pull out and he wanted to fight Chimaev. Uh, we've seen other fights fall fall over, and Neil Magny is always the first person that puts his hand up. Um, he has won five out of his last six fights. His only loss was to Santiago Ponzinibbio, which we obviously spoke out spoke about a minute ago, who got knocked out. Um, he also beat Xing Lang, who we also spoke about a minute ago. Uh, he beat Anthony Rocco Martin, and most recently he beat Robbie Lawler. So Neil Magney, Neil Magney's pretty game. So if you're gonna ask me who I think is going to win this fight, um, I'm gonna go with Neil Magney. And I think he'll win by decision. My overall prediction for this card is that it's not gonna be great. Um, but you know, I've been wrong before. It's rare. It's very rare, but I've been wrong before. Aside, obviously, uh, taking into account my predictions for the card on ABC, um, some of those were quite wrong. Uh, but, yeah, so that's where we are. It's obviously Monday now. These fights take place on Wednesday. We will be back to uh, talk about them and decipher them on Thursday or Friday, and we will also go into a, a lot of detail um about UFC 257 and, of course, that main event. Um, If you haven't heard uh, my kind of deep dive into that event, please go back and listen to it. Um, I would love to tell you which episode it is, but I can't remember. Um, I'm fairly certain it was episode 12. Let me just double-check for you because I don't want to give you wrong information. Episode 13. So if you go back and listen to episode 13, you'll hear a real deep dive into the McGregor Poirier um, main event. I won't go into as much detail, even though it's difficult uh, in that episode, just because I don't want to obviously regurgitate the information. But um, sometimes I can't help myself when talking about Connor. Um, so maybe you'll get another deep dive. Who knows? Okay, so that was episode 17 in the books. Um, Thank you very, very, very much for listening. I appreciate it a lot. Um, We will be back on probably Thursday or Friday, and we'll go through the Neil Magny, Michael Chiesa card. Uh, We will also go into uh, the fights in depth on UFC 257. I know on episode 13, we covered... Uh, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier in detail. We'll go into deep, full detail about the whole card uh, and then we'll obviously talk about that fight as well. Um, give us a follow on Twitter at Combat Review uh, and you can also find us on Instagram on the Combat Review podcast with a load of underscores in there as well. Thank you for listening.